0: From our studios in the Southern Food and Beverage Museum in New Orleans, welcome to our special Louisiana Eats podcast series, Tammany Taste Quick Bites. I'm Poppy Tooker. Just across Lake Pontchartrain, in the quaint little downtown of Covington, there's a charming yellow cottage filled with English tradition and taste. That's the English Tea Room, established in 2002 by Jan and Tim Lantrip. Guests of the establishment experience one of the finest high teas to be found anywhere on this side of the pond. When we sat down with Jan and Tim, we knew we were in for a spot of tea, but had no idea of the wealth of knowledge about to be served up with it.
1: I'm Jan Lantrip. And I'm the owner of the English Tea
2: Room. I'm Tim Lantrop, and I work for Jen. (laughs) You know, I'm originally from northeast Texas, and up there 25 years ago, some of the little towns had tea rooms. And my mother would go to them with my aunts. And so we said, well, what is that? So we went to one, we thought that was really interesting and then jan's a pharmacist so she started reading and reading studies on tea and all the health benefits of tea and kind of out of that we just thought we would open a little shop and sell tea that's all we intended to do and then from that over we've been in business now almost 20 years and over the years it's just evolved we didn't create it just evolved into what it is now
1: even though we believe in prescription medicine sometimes uh, natural remedies can be helpful, and we get to the root of the problem. So that was my passion, working in compounding and functional medicine.
2: How did you find this smart girl, Tim?
0: Where did, how did it
2: start? I didn't realize she was that smart. I'm pretty <laughs> impressed with that.
1: He was looking at my dress in the eighth grade when I was wearing fishnet stockings, and that's what started it off. Oh, that's the sweetest. And it was science story. class, of course.
2: <laughs> yeah, that was my total focus on science. It wasn't any of the science, that's for sure.
0: Tell me where your interest in tea
1: began. How did this begin? Well, it began going to compounding school in Houston, where they were doing research on tea, the polyphenols, the actual uh, elements of tea that create the health benefits. So they were trying to encapsulate that to help actually with hospice care. But because of the swallowing issue, we just said, well, let's just use it for, to boost the immune system in everyone, you know, because you can't, so it was concentrated. And you can find those now in stores where you can get the capsules of um, L-theanine, and the polyphenols that are the naturally occurring things in tea, and you can take a capsule. And what do those things do for you? Well, they do a lot, a lot of things. In fact, every part of our bodies is involved in the health benefits of tea. Our hair, our skin, every organ, the heart, the brain, our thinking, our emotions, mentally. We can focus because of L-theanine. Green tea helps people to be alert. And to think more clearly, it's even been studied with dementia. And real one of the things, of course, as a scientist, I'm not going to read an advertising, but I have to look and see, where did they get that data? Where did they get that? Was this a, a viable research? Was this real medical care? I'm not, as a pharmacist, I'm ethically licensed to present the truth, not just a bunch of hype. So everything that I say is backed up by real research all over the world and it's exploding in in what people are reading and researching in tea. Just then Sue, an actual British expat
0: who lends a certain authenticity to the experience served our refreshments. On a tiered silver tray there was an amazing assortment of scones,
1: spreads, tea sandwiches and sweets. Spanakopita, they are spinach and uh, ricotta cheese, then we have some fresh fruit, then on the top we have our chocolate dipped strawberries, our
0: um, pedophores and macaroons. You decide to leave pharmacy and go into tea. How did you all make that jump?
1: Well, it really wasn't a jump. It kind of collided. (laughs) And we did both, I did both at the same time. Tim is a decorator and a collector. Tim's ancestry is British and Scottish, very strong. Everything in his DNA is totally UK. So he had a natural love of this whole scene. But with me, I was still doing pharmacy up until last year. Oh, And so I had a dual career. I would come in and splash a bit of tea around or educate was one of my passions, talking about tea, letting the customers understand, what is tea? How do you make tea? Tea one-on-one, how do you take a bit of tea, add water, right temperature, right amount, steeping time, the right tea for the right, you know, all of that, Just if, you can't make a cup of coffee unless you know how to make it. You have to know how much coffee to put in the pot, how much water to add, the temperature is important. And so it is with tea but a little more detail because we have so many varieties from just fruits and herbs to black teas that come from assam and kenya and india and nepal and south africa these big malty big mouth teas you know and you have to know how to brew it to get that feel and bring out all that essence of these beautiful teas and they're so different from the delicate white teas that we get from China, that the beautiful little two leaves in a bud, or maybe just a bud. When the only in the spring. It's picked so delicately and put in a white linen cloth basket so that it doesn't crush. And so you so it is when you brew it, that white tea is so delicate. And the green tea in the middle, in between the black and the green, in between the black and the white. The green tea is where we hear a lot of information because there's been so many studies done on green tea and we have a wide body of evidence in china in the asia because millions of people for thousands of years have been drinking green tea so it was a real good place to start for the scientists to say let's see if it really is healthy all of the teas have something that's incredible, and that is it raises the serotonin levels in our brain. Now serotonin, as you may or may not know, is the hormone in our brain that makes us feel good. It helps us to, an, as an antidepressant. And of course you get the paxils and things like that um, that help with to raise the serotonin levels by taking a tablet. Well tea does that naturally it raises the serotonin. I want to shout through the microphone. It (laughs) It raises the serotonin levels. So what does that do? Why do we feel so good when we drink a cup of tea? Why do we feel good? Because the serotonin levels are rising and we feel relaxed yet energized at the same time. We feel happy and content. Tea makes us feel good and it's scientifically proven, as I said. That this is why. And they're in back in the 1800s, they used to call it tea drunk. And they said when women weren't used to having their little tea parties in the parlor, they weren't used to drinking so much tea, and they would get absolutely tipsy laughing and falling around and behaving not very ladylike and it was because (laughs) we didn't realize that that's what was happening to them all of a sudden they were coming out of that deep dark depression or the sad or the blues that you can often get in england with the weather so dreary and cold when they had those afternoon teas and they felt marvelous so tea has a great benefit
0: with over a hundred teas to choose from, along with every imaginable tea accessory, the sights and scents of this magical apothecary are simply dizzying.
1: You know, everything adds to the experience, from your cup that touches your lip, because if you're drinking out of a heavy mug or a plastic cup, if you don't, your lips are one of the most sensitive parts of your, te- when you feel, so when you put that fine porcelain to your lips and you drink that tea it tastes different that's like when you drink wine or champagne how that that fine thin glass is so important for the full experience as it is with tea and the teapot pouring the tea the shape of the teapot the beautiful all the beautiful things the silver from england that we have and all of that adds to your experience of having tea
0: so jan the tea that I am about to drink is something I'm completely unfamiliar with. Would you walk... I, as a matter of fact, I'm going to let you pronounce it because I'm not even sure
1: how to do that properly. Well, it's very simple, and I was taught how to pronounce it by the people from China. We had a tour group from China, and that's all they wanted to drink because it's prized for the medicinal value. And it's very easy. You pronounce it like... Poo, like Winnie the Pooh, and then like a cat, er. Poo er. And that's how they pronounce it. I never forgot that. And so that is the correct pronunciation. Poo er is unique. It's not really black, it's not really green, it's not really white. It's its own little category. In between, we call it. Maybe the brown tea, we can get in between. And one of the reasons it is so unique is it's fermented. Now we know about fermentation fermenting is great for the health they say sauerkraut pickles anything fermented pickled beets you know that sort of thing very very much in the news right now pu'er is unique and so that it's starts off all the teas come from the same plant the camellia sinensis. whether it's a green tea black tea or white tea it's just the processing that's different and that's what makes pu'er different the processing it's put in caves and actually buried sometimes in uh, underneath with with the leaves and uh, with wet sacks to ferment it and sometimes for years even 30 years of fermenting can you imagine it sounds awful but it really is an incredible taste that develops and a unique health benefit in so many wells. We have physicians from out of state that send their customers, their patients here to get the pu'r tea to help with their cholesterol. Really? And it also helps with uh, reducing body fat, like um, in the tissue, like belly fat and things that, the stubborn fat adipose tissue. Pu'r seems to dissolve it and move it and it also works on the um, cholesterol levels to reduce that. And it, and it, you know, the doctors are seeing it in, in lab tests. And so that is a great, in addition to immune boosting, incredible for your, your health. Who doesn't need this during this COVID to have something to boost our immune system? Why drink anything else? Yeah. And the longer it sits, the, it will become different. It's longer steeping times, um, you know, more tea, Ratio to the water. You can get all types of nuances in that. The world of tea is fascinating and it's so varied. Coffee's coffee and it's great, but when you step into the world of tea, get ready for an adventure.
0: What is your favorite? Is there one tea that you drink? I know that's a terrible question, but is there a tea that you drink almost every day?
1: Yes, it's true. All of them. <laughs> I do drink rooibos every day. Rooibos is one we haven't talked about yet here. Rooibos means rooibos red bush rooibos. And in Europe it is prized. It's even in the chemist shop. It's in the pharmacies and it's an herbal. It's no caffeine. And maybe I say maybe, but yet I know higher immune boosting and more polyphenols and antioxidants than even green tea. Maybe up to the German studies say five times higher. So that got my attention real quick. That and these people from Germany, these big bicycle riding giants that would stop into the tea room on their tours and they would go, We want they can only really speak English, but they wanted rubus. And I didn't know what they were talking about. And I said, I'm gonna find out what they what they're saying. They're saying red bush. And in South Africa, the only place that this herbal is grown in the Cape Town of South Africa, in the Cedarberg Mountain Range, is where the rooibos is grown. It's the only place in the world. And when, years and years ago, when the Dutch settlers and the English were settling down in South Africa, and the ships, the clipper ships, were going to India and Asia, getting the tea, and bringing it to the Dutch and to the English and to Europe, well, they had to stop along the way, was it? it was like a, a rest stop. And they had to, and there at the Cape Town, the weather is awful. The, some of the most stormy weather on earth down there. And the ships would often have to stop and reload or they'd crash and they, and so they naturally had settlements there. And what they noticed was that the native people of South Africa were drinking this herbal tea. And they were not only drinking it, they were giving it to the babies, their babies, and pregnant women. And they were using it on their skin. They were using it, uh, and it was just a bush. It was red, and they would, when they'd, they'd harvest it, it would turn red when they oxidized it. When they would crush it and dry it in the sun, it would turn red. It's a red bush. Or if they let it dry on the, on the bush itself, it would turn red. And so they harvested, and the English and the Dutch were very interested because, you know, they wanted their good of They needed their tea. And they said, well, what is this? It's growing right here. We should, We should need to see about this. And they started drinking it. And they noticed something. They noticed scurvy and things and diseases started lessening. And they started feeling better. Anything with gastrointestinal. Ribos is known for anti-nausea. That's why pregnant women, colic, and the babies—anything to do with the, the gastrointestinal and the skin—it is amazing that actually you can treat sunburn with it, and it um, it lessens uh, your chance of um, getting the sun damage, you know. And I think one of the greatest things about Ribos is the antiviral factor. Right now, what about viruses? It's viruses, viruses, viruses. And we can drink, when this comes into a petri dish in a lab, when you pour rooivus on a tumor cell, it kills the cells. This is called cell death, apostasis. And this is like chemo. This will kill cancer cells. Now, why isn't it being proposed more than it is? I think because they cannot patent the tea. They can't put a patent on this and say this is a drug. You just have to know that this is, it's just like you can't patent a rose because you can't patent peppermint. It's just a naturally occurring herb, and this is amazing.
0: You know, Jan, I spend a lot of time in restaurants, talking to chefs, and this is the first place that I have ever visited that tea, is such an integral part of the recipes here. Would you talk to me about
1: cooking with tea and how that goes? You know, if you have a raspberry tea, why not make a raspberry dressing? Why not use that tea, the flavor profile of these different teas, and add it to the food? So sure enough, that one of my first recipes was a raspberry uh, vinaigrette made, and we still use that, we use raspberry tea in the recipe. The next thing I started looking at, why add extra water or broth to a soup? Why not use it like we use wine? Add another level, another dimension of taste and value, health benefits. So one of the great recipes that we've developed is Formosa Oolong in our tomato basil soup. That's our signature soup here. The Formosa oolong has an orchid uh, and a, a little bit of a woody. Oolongs are similar to the Pu'er, except they're not fermented. They're in between the green and the black. It's it's in that brown category. And oolongs are just wild. I mean, it's like a world of, of on its own. Oolongs are from all over China and Asia, and they have incredible profiles, Oh, from fruit to wood to earthy. So we found this Formosa oolong added to our tomato basil soup and it's just incredible. I had this lady from England come to teach me how to make scones. We had a partners uh, that were working for us, some managers that we hired from England and Auntie Jan came to visit and she was a home economics teacher in England. And what a fussy budget she was, but I adored her. She, we shared the same name, but she was a tyrant. She was like Julia Child, you know, in that she, had, she made all of her own clothes. She was a perfectionist. And one of the things she did was to teach me how to make a proper scone. And I'm telling you, I couldn't do it to save my life. It took me weeks. She would throw them away, I would cry. I'd go back in, let's do it again, and this time get it right. Everything had to be, flour, the sugar, the ratios, different flowers, different sugars that I'm not accustomed by Grant, but my, my background in chemistry told me there's something to this, I've got to stick to the formula, and we did. Even the butterfat and the cream, and you know, all of that, and it had to be just right and cut just a certain way. I adored her, and at the end we had success and friendship everlasting. <laughs>
0: That's just grand. I have heard that a certain Sir Anthony Hopkins is a big fan of your scones. Tell uh, me about that little That's a great story.
2: A few years ago, or some years ago, they were filming a movie around here, and he was the star of the movie. And someone would, or New York, someone would come by here once or twice a week and get tea and scones for him. Because he's from England, He liked, and he liked our scones. So when they finished the movie, they had an end of the movie party in Hollywood. He bought three hundred and fifty scones and picked them up one morning and flew them there for the afternoon. That oh. was pretty neat.
0: <laughs> There's nothing like knowing that your scones are on a private plane yeah, in the right, afternoon right, right.
2: huh yeah going to going to <laughs> Hollywood that's pretty good Your
0: collections here are simply astounding um Are you like those folks we see on PBS? Are you a picker, or what do you do exactly? You know,
2: I'm a treasure hunter, and I'm always looking. Every, I I have certain stores that I go to. When we go to England, they don't have garage sales there. They call them boot fairs. It's just a big field, and that people will drive their cars and park them in a field and open their trunks, which they call boots over there, and sell out of the trunk of their car. So we've gotten a lot of things there. Um, but uh, I'm always looking for something from England that's really special. Sometimes we'll have customers that'll just walk in and give us things. I mean, we've got a World War I cigarette case with the Prince of Wales, the uh, regiment uh, on it. Uh, I've got a uh, signed letter from Churchill's father. Uh, we're always looking for historical treasures. Uh, one of our customers gave us uh, a newspaper printout of Queen Victoria's when she was crowned queen in what was it, 1832 or 33, and it's got everybody that was in her procession, and, and we just get incredible things come through, and I just love that. I love history, and I love that connection to the past. England has such a rich history, so we just and and. We're never finished, you're all we don't have any really space to put things anymore. We'll just rotate out. Whatever.
0: Yeah. Satiated in mind, body and spirit, I had to know what was next in store for the English tea room.
2: Some years ago we were in Mobile and I was watching that a movie Around the World in Eighty Days. You remember that show? Yeah. When we were kids, and it was a great show. And it was all about the English on this race around the world. And it's taken eighty days to Cover the world, but there's a little scene in there where you got two old men sitting at a desk, and in the background a bell rings, and the guy looks at his watch and he goes, "Oh, four p.m. time for tea." Oh yeah, so they close everything, stop everything, they get up, walk out of the room, they go have tea. Well, I did a little research, and in England they used to ring the bell at four o'clock and it would tell the people it was tea time. Well, that's pretty interesting. They don't do it much anymore, but that was a time. So, we've located a place to get a, a nice old 150 year old bell, and I've got an architect drawing the plans. We're going to build a little bell tower here, and we're going to get that bell, and then every day at whatever time we do it here, 2 or two thirty, 3, 4, whatever it is, someone's going to ring the bell and it's time for tea. So that gives another layer for Covington, you know, with all the things going on here. But I love that. So uh, anyway, that's that's our big project coming up.
0: Well, this has been the most delightful time I have passed in a long, long time. So thank thank you for welcoming me over here and for all of the incredible things that you shared, both to eat and drink and to learn. I think I learned more in this last hour than I have in a long
1: time.
2: Love having you here. That's a treat for us.
1: Well, thank you. Um, glad you came. It was wonderful.
0: That was Jan and Tim Lantrip of Covington's English Tea Room. A word to the wise, make reservations before you visit the English Tea Room as the seats tend to fill quickly. If you'd like to try the experience yourself at home, you can visit the tea room virtually at EnglishTeaRoom.com. Be forewarned, I must admit that since our visit, I've developed a serious taste for Jan's Scottish Caramel puer tea. Luckily, they ship, so now it's delivered regularly to my door. If you enjoyed this podcast, please rate us on your preferred listening platform. Big thanks to our sponsor, the St. Tammany Parish Tourist Commission. Stay, play, and get away on the Louisiana North Shore. Discover the bounty of the bayou and rich culture from award-winning chefs, soulful mom-and-pop restaurants, extraordinary bakers, and creative mixologists. Request the free Explore the North Shore Visitor Guide today for inspirational stories, custom itineraries, and event information at louisiananorthshore.com guide. This podcast was produced by Reggie Morris for Poppy Tooker Broadcasting.